0: Um, we were talking about our identification in Christ, who we are in Christ. Uh, then we started talking about those dispensational aspects, and we actually went through and created that chart uh, using uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and um, kind of getting an idea of what was going on with that. And then we started taking a look about, okay, so what does all that mean now? Uh, and so then we started taking a look at um, how the life of Christ is put on display each and every day in our life, and really one of the purposes behind gathering together as as a group of of people, and we talked about that and went through uh, all that stuff, and then uh, we started talking about uh, the Bible. All right, so we talked about the doctrine of inspiration. We talked about the doctrine of preservation, and one of the things, if you remember, what we what we were really cared about is what does the Bible say about itself, right? Um, I'm not me personally and this is just me. I'm not interested in what Dr. so and so says about anything. Uh, especially especially that book, all right? Um that's my personal uh private personal objective opinion uh and I don't ask anybody else to hold that. If you do, praise the Lord if not, praise the Lord, all right? Um our our goal isn't to force what we what we what I personally believe on on anybody else. We had a gentleman here last week, and uh, he had a different version of the Bible, and we were talking about some of the things, and he said, you know, I never really thought about some of these issues until you brought them up. And uh, so I gave him the packet, and actually it was the packet I'd printed out uh, for you. Um, So I need to get you a copy, and I need to get you all a copy. Bruce still has his, right? Right. I didn't make one for Delilah either, so... Um, I only had two with me, but uh, but I gave him a copy, and it was all the, all the lists of King James and then other versions, and uh, just to kind of say, okay, go take a look at these. Go take a look at these verses, compare them in your Bible. And I told him, I was like, I'm never going to force you to set your Bible aside and get a King James. However, I would expect you to at least look at the evidence for it, and you decide whether you want to put your Bible aside and go get a King James. And I've had some folks do that. And I've had other folks that I've talked to that don't. And that's okay. Um, like I said before, if you don't want God's Word, then that's okay. That's, 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 your, that's your decision. That's on you. Um, but uh, we talked about those, those issues. And uh, really, again, that has to do with the doctrine of inspiration and the doctrine of preservation, right? Um. And so then, one of the things I'm all discombobulated this morning. One of the things that I wanted to 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 remind you all, there's five things, and, and this is this is a an ongoing pop quiz. There's five things that Satan does to try to get rid of God's final authority. Do we remember what those five things were? Question. Question it, the very first thing. Second one was added to it. Third, subtract subtract from it. Fourth, watered it down. And fifth, all right. So Bruce Bruce finally got it without looking at his notes, so praise (laughs) the Lord. But, But that's the issue, right? And we see all that stuff showing up in those other versions. And I would almost say they're not other versions. They're translations of the false text right we talked about that we went through that issue and and dealt with that now that's one of those big issues where a lot of folks say well this is the bible that i have and it's and it's the niv today or the esv today uh and it depends on you know what year it is there'll be another one in a few years that'll be the best um but the niv or the esv a lot of people will say is the best and the most accurate translation that's well and good and it is but the problem is it's the best and the most accurate translation of the wrong text so the text is it's a textual issue not a translation issue all right so that's one of those things that we want to make sure uh, that we talk about so where we kind of land on it with the doctrine of inspiration doctrine of preservation um, then a couple of weeks ago we looked at the corruption and how, how bad it is. Uh, then we talked about last week how closely God was to His Word, right? And we looked at a lot of different verses uh, to go along with that. And really what we found out is a lot of the attributes of God also show up in His Word, right? And so we talked about those and we looked at some, some other issues last week. This week, uh, what we're wanting to look at is the connection between the living word and the written word, which is what that list before you is all about. So, let's get into it real quick. Grab um, Hebrews chapter 4 and then also uh, Revelation chapter 19. And we talked about these two verses last week um, a little bit, uh, but I just want to kind of remind you of, of what we're dealing with. Uh, between those. Now, the living Word is Jesus Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Alright, we talked about last week, we went through John 1, right? In the beginning was the Word, capital W, right? And the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and, and we talked about that. Um, we kind of went down a rabbit trail with what he created, right? We spent a little bit more time on that than I wanted to, uh, but it's it's all well and good. And then the written word is what we have before us today, and uh, for English speaking people, we'll say it's the King James Bible, right? And, you know, some people are like, ah, oh, it's not the King James Version. King James Bible, and I'm okay with that, um, because it's not just a version, right? It's God's Word of the actual correct text, so um, that's kind of where we put our our foot down years ago. So, Hebrews chapter 4 and Revelation chapter 19, we'll get started here. The connection between the written Word and the living Word, uh, the very first thing that we're going to look at is, it's called, they're both called the Word of God. Notice here in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, For the Word of God, there we have it, is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints, of mar- joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Revelation chapter nineteen Verse eleven. I saw and I and I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he that sat upon him, uh, him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Father, we want to thank you for the opportunity that we have to study your Word, that you preserved it throughout the years, that we can have it, we can handle it, we can study it, Uh, and it's not just a book that we say we will get around to, but we realize it's alive. We realize that... Um, when we read it, it reads us. Uh, it it It's able to discern the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And uh, that's an amazing thing for us to be able to think about and uh, be cognizant of uh, as we study your word, uh, that we might be to the praise and honor and glory of your grace. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> now, um, a few things that uh, that I want to make sure that we see here Real quick, um, is what are we talking about here in Revelation chapter 19? It says, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse and he that sat upon him. All right, so that right there in Revelation chapter 19, who is that a reference to? Jesus Christ Himself, right? In Hebrews chapter 4, what is that a reference to? The actual written word of God, right? so what do we see about those two, Jesus Christ and the actual written word? Is they're both called the Word of God. All right, that phrase shows up in both of those verses. Now, what's interesting is um, go back to Hebrews chapter four and uh, hold your place there, and go back to go back to Matthew real quick. And this one, this one isn't on the list. Um, go back to Matthew chapter nine. <clears throat> Uh, and I just want to—I want to be able to see. I want—I want us to be able to see this and 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 make this make this connection because this one isn't on that list. And by the way, the list here—I think there's what 17, uh, 17 different. Yeah, 17. And so I figured we're not going to get through that list. So what better thing to do is to add an extra one that we won't be able to to get to see, right? But I want you to notice here real quick. Hebrews chapter four. We're talking about the word of God. It says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. And this last statement here at the end of verse 12 is what I want us to think about. Notice, what's the context here is this book that we have in front of us. The words that are written down on the page, the black and white that's written down, the connection between the living word and the written word is so close. And you've got some some information there that Brother Jordan said, and I'll, I'll, I'll leave that to you to be able to go back and read. But I want you to get this real quick. What does this book do? And is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Now, when we say that when we read this book, this book reads us, I'm not just saying that because it's a nice little phrase to say. I'm saying it because it's true. If you come to this book for the wrong reason, it knows. And if you come to this book to present a false teaching, it knows and it will allow you to find the verses to match up. Guarantee it. Because we see it all the time. It knows the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Now, hold your, well, go back over to to Matthew chapter 9. And, of course, we're going through Matthew, and so this is one of those things that we kind of brought up on Wednesday night. And I want us to see this connection. And, again, like I said, the living Word and the written Word are so closely related. Notice this. In Matthew chapter 9, um, verse 3, this, of course, is when Christ shows up. He's got a man sick of the palsy. There's people that bring him to him. And Christ heals the person, right, by looking at their faith, not the guy's faith that's that's there. So Matthew chapter 9, verse 3, notice. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemeth. Now, if you think about that, what does that mean? And we're going to find out what that means in the context there There's these scribes here that said within themselves, This is their thinking, they are thinking that this man blasphemeth. How do we know verse four and Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, How do we know that they're they're saying within themselves he says, knowing their thoughts? I want you to stop and think about that. The connection between the living word and the written word is so close that this book, the verses know while you're there, it can discern between your thoughts and your, your, your imaginations in your heart, in your thinking, just as Jesus Christ himself did with these scribes. That's amazing when you think about it. That's why we say the book that we have in front of us is different than any book that you're ever going to come across. And if you've got a version that's a translation of the false text, That doesn't contain the life of God. That's why it's such an important issue when it comes to which version? Did I say that clearly enough? Do I need to repeat it? Because those other versions do not contain the life of God. It doesn't contain His Spirit. This one does. Now, That'll get me a lot of flack if people ever paid attention to us, which a lot of people don't, which is okay. <laughs> but verse, um, verse four, and Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, "Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts?" He's talking about their thinking. He knows their thinking. Verse five: For whether it is easy easier to say, uh, "Thy sins be forgiven thee," or to say, "Arise and walk." But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, that he, uh, then he saith to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go into thine house. Now, the interesting thing that I want to point out there is what? The living Word can discern the thoughts and the intents of the heart of these scribes. The written Word can do what? Discern the thoughts and the intents of your heart. They're that closely related. Now, as you read in some of the context here in the the notes that I gave you all, uh, Brother Jordan mentions, the book's not God, but it contains his life. Because you can write all over the book. You know, we were talking earlier about, well, I grew up, King James was the Bible, so that's what I use because out of convenience and, you know, out of tradition or whatever. Uh, the church that we used to go to way back in the day—they're um, like we want to be, we want to, we want to take a stand on the King James Bible, um, but we don't know why. Like That's—I mean, at least you're willing enough to say that you want to take a stand on it, um, but don't stop it. We don't know why. Go find out why, and see at the end, do you still hold those convictions? All right, um, which. I would almost say, I don't think they have, but it is what it is. All right. Um, Let's go take a look at a couple more. Uh, Go get Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. And James one, so James one and Hebrews chapter seven. So, um, when you all get to, when you all get to the manuscript evidence classes, you'll know you'll know the answer to one of the questions there. I think they have, I think they have you list three or four or five different, uh, connections between them. So here's a few of them. <clears throat> Um, I skipped that second one there, that they have two natures. Um, just just for time's sake, because I added in that other one. But um, you can go back, you can go and take a look at that stuff too. Notice, the living word and the written word can both save. Notice Hebrews chapter 7. Start off in verse 23. And they truly were many priests, because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Now, who is he talking about in the context? Of course, is going to be Christ. notice. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make, it, make intercession for them. So, what is he talking about there in the context? Of course, he's talking about Jesus Christ as being the high priest, and what does he say that Jesus Christ can do is what? Save them, right? James chapter 1. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Let's read verse 21 here. Notice. um, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Now, when you think about this, There's there's a whole other context that's going on with the book of James here because we understand who James is written to. We understand what period of time it's going to be. But does that change the fact that the word saves souls? No. Uh, We can take that, compare that with some other verses too, but that was one uh, that we had up here. So what can the living word and the written word both do is save. All right. Um, Go get Acts chapter 17 and John chapter 12. chapter 17 and John chapter 12 And this one this one's really this one's really kind of interesting um <laughs> when when you when you think about what's going on um Acts chapter 17 Start off here in verse, verse 30. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in, all in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, and that he hath raised him from the dead. Now, when we take a look at that verse, who's that verse talking about? It's talking about Jesus Christ, the living word. What's what's he going to do is what? He's going to what? He will judge the world in righteousness, how? By that man. John chapter 12. John chapter 12. We'll start off in verse 47. <clears throat> John chapter 12, verse 47. And if any man hear my words... Now, of course, Jesus Christ is talking here. And what's He say? If any man hear my what? Words, words and believe not, I judge him not, for I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. Verse 48. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. So what do we know about the written word and the living word there is they both judge you. Now, that's one of those things that's going to be interesting. We talked about this before. When Christ comes back and he's going to have a sword coming out, What's that sword going to be where he's going to strike through kings? It's going to be his word. That's an important thing to think about. That, you know, when I can't remember the reference off the top of my head, but um, for some reason, well, I don't want to say because I'm probably wrong, but in the Old Testament it talks about the fact that where the word of the Lord is or where the word of the king is, there is power, Right? That's really both what you're dealing with there, right? Um, We're right here in John chapter 12. Look Look at verse 34. John chapter 12, verse 34. The people answered him, We have heard... Out of the law, that Christ abideth forever. And how sayest thou, the Son of man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of man? Or who is this Son of man? What have they heard about Christ? He's what? He abides forever. Well, <clears throat> we've talked about other verses before. Um, how long do we know that the Word of God's going to last? Also forever. One verse that we can get, go to First Peter chapter 1. Um, and as i said there's other verses that that we've talked about with this uh forever O Lord thy word is settled right in heaven uh, we know that it's 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 eternal we know that it's going to last forever how long is forever forever <laughs> it's that simple right um first peter chapter one verse 23. And of course, again, we know and understand we're not talking about the things that's going on in First Peter and all these verses, but we're getting these verses to make these connections, right? First Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth for how long? Forever. forever, again. How long is forever? It's forever. There, ha- there is no end to that. So, what do we know about the written word according to John twelve? And what do we know, or what about the living word according to John twelve? And the written word according to First Peter is they both last for how long? Forever. Um, get uh, Bruce read this one this morning. First uh, Thessalonians chapter two. Grab First Thessalonians, Chapter Two, and John, Chapter One. So, First Thessalonians, Chapter Two, and John, Chapter One. You can receive them both. John chapter 1, verse 11. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will, will of the flesh, nor of the, will of, the man, will of man, but of God. So what do we know there about Jesus Christ? It says he was what? He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become sons of God. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, one that we've talked about and used multiple times. 1 Thessalonians 2 13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing. Because when or because when ye received the word of God. Which ye heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. There's a lot of things going on in that verse. One, what happened with the folks in Thessalonica is, what did they do with this word? They received it. All right. So we found out, according to John chapter one, they were able to receive Jesus Christ, the living word, and we can, by the same way that the Thessalonicans do here, is receive the written word. And there's a whole bunch of stuff here that, that we've talked about and gone through as before. What do we know about this? It's not the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of who? God, right? They're God's words, right? That's the issue that we've talked about and gone through before. Um, as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. What do we know? What do we know about that is that that word works, right? well how does it work when we believe it uh real quick go over to Luke chapter 16 um and i I want, I want us to put this and this isn't on the list either but i want us to be able to think about um i want us to be able to think about about something that goes along with this Luke chapter 16 um if you if you're not familiar hopefully you are you've got the the parable here of the rich man and Lazarus right And so then what we have is the rich man and Lazarus, they both die. Rich man goes to um, torments, and um, um, Lazarus goes to Abraham's bosom, right? Now, sometime in the near future, probably after we get finished with uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, um, we will do a short series, because like I said, in between chapters, what I like to do is kind of take a break from a book if we're going through verse by verse. We'll pause after chapter one, then we'll do a, a little mini-series. Then after chapter two, we'll do a little mini-series and stuff like that. Um, so after chapter one, what I want us to be able to do is go through um, a series that, that I've been working on for a long time, um, and I think I think it'll be ready by that time, is uh, going over the issue of hell, right? And we're going to talk about that. Um, we've talked about wanting to go through that for a long period of time, and and. uh I think I've got everything together now, and that should be ready to go by the time we get finished with first Timothy chapter one. so we'll talk about that and this is this is one of the verses that we'll we'll be able to discuss. but what I want us to see here is <clears throat> drop down to um, look at verse twenty five this is this is right after the rich man lifts up his eyes, being in torments, and says, Could you could you could you have mercy on me? All right? Send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger uh, in water and cool my tongue. Verse 25. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Now, I want to pause there for a second. Does that mean if you've got pretty good life that you're going to be tormented in hell, and if you've had a pretty bad life that you're going to have comforting? That's not what he's talking about there, right? And that, that is something that a lot of people will say is, well, if I've gone through enough stuff, I'll get to go to heaven. That's not the point. That's not what he's talking about there at all, right? Verse 26, And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father. Now this, of course, is, is the rich man here talking to Abraham again, saying, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. Talking about Lazarus. Send Lazarus back to my father's house. Well, in order for him to go back to his father's house, what is he going to have to do? He's going to have to raise him from the dead, right? And that's what we'll get here in just a second. But notice, verse 28 Why does he want him sent back? For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. So, what this rich man is saying is, I want you to send Lazarus back to my father's house, and I want him to be able to preach to my five brothers. About this place because I don't want them to come here. Now, when you think about that, sounds like a pretty good plan, doesn't it? But there's an issue there. Notice verse 29 Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. Do you know what he's saying? They've got a book. They can go read Moses. They can go read the prophets. And in Moses and the prophets, you know what you find out about? That place. And you know what else you find out? How to avoid that place. And what, what, what Abraham is saying to the rich man is, they have a book because God's promised to give a book that can what? save them that will probably also judge them if they're not saved but they're going to be there forever in order for them to be able to have the book of Moses the books of Moses and the prophets that means that those books that Moses and the prophets wrote were there at the time of Christ's life for him to be able to talk about this and that's that's what he's telling him he says they have the book go read the book verse 30 and he said nay father Abraham but if one went unto them from the dead they will repent now I kind of take this as, as an interesting thing what, what were the parables what were the parables for is they were to teach things right they, they were a judgment against the apostate Israel but they were to teach the believing Israel what's going on so here's what's interesting What's he say is he says, Well, if you send back somebody that's raised from the dead, they'll repent. Now, picture with me. You've got the nation of Israel up there that apostate Israel. And what happens is you've got a resurrected Christ. Did they repent? Notice, verse 31. And he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. To me, I find that very interesting talking about the apostate Israel saying, you didn't believe the verses. Are you going to start believing when the raise when the dead raise? He says, if they didn't believe him there, they're not going to believe him here. Now, here's the other issue. When you look at that, What's the main issue that God's pointing out there is what? Go get the book. <laughs> get in the book. Stay in the book because the book's going to save you. If you trust it. Um, if you receive it. And that's one of those things that's really interesting uh, as, as you look through there. And, and oftentimes when I bring this up as I was like, they didn't believe the resurrected Christ. Though one rose from the dead, they didn't believe it. Why? because they didn't believe in the book either. That's kind of a a side note, which gets us to this. Go to John chapter 12. Um, The next one in that list, John chapter 12, what's interesting is you've got both the living word and the written word in this one verse, John chapter 12. Now, I will say, well, let's let's keep going. John chapter 12, notice here in... Verse 47. We were here a minute ago. Verse 47. If any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him the last day. We talked about Christ and the living word. We both judge. But what else do we have here is, they've rejected the living word and they've rejected the written word. So what can happen is they can both be rejected. Now that's the sad part because every single day in the world there are people that choose to reject that book that we have in front of us. They reject the truth of that book and what's left to them is what? The lie. So then that gets us to um, the next little section. Uh, We're right here in John. Get John chapter 14. John chapter 14 and get Psalm 119. John 14. Psalm nineteen. This is one everybody should know. What's what's John fourteen six say? Jesus said, "I can say it without reading." All right, say it. Jesus said unto him, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me." All right. So, what is Jesus Christ according to that verse? Is what the way, the truth, and the life. Those three things, right? So, what do we know about the living Word? He is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, we talked about this a little bit last week about those attributes that God has are also attributes that the Word has. Notice here in Psalm 119, verse 33. Psalm 119, verse 33. Teach me... O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Now, what are the statutes that we're dealing with there? What are those statutes? It's the book. What do we know about that book? It is the way of thy statutes. Now, pause there for just a second and. Um, go back to go back to Genesis chapter 6 because I want I want to this is something that I want to that I'm working on and so I'm just going to put it out I'm going to put it out to you and kind of think of what, what what your thoughts are we can talk about your thoughts a little bit later on um, after this but I want you to think about this Genesis chapter 6 <clears throat> now what do we know Jesus Christ is The way, what about what we just find out in John or Psalm 119 is the Bible is described as the way, the way of thy statutes. So what what is it that God has is there is a way. Okay. Think about this. Genesis chapter six. What do we come to in Genesis chapter six? It's the story of the flood, right? I shouldn't say the story the account of the actual event of the flood right I gotta catch myself when I say that stuff because it's not just a story by the way did you know that every religion in the world has a story of a flood when I was in college uh, one of the things that we had to read in, in the English classes was the Bhagavad Gita which is like the religious text you know what had it in there A flood. you know what they said? That was older than this flood. (laughs) And that Noah got the idea of a flood from the Bhagavad Gita. The answer to that is no. Um, But I digress. But I bring this up for this reason. Notice here in Genesis chapter 6, uh, verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah... Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God, and Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Verse 11. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted what? His His way upon the earth. Whose way is that? God's way. Now, stop and you think about that real quick. What is it that man had corrupted upon the earth was what? God's way. Well, what what do we have at this point? Do we have Jesus Christ in the flesh here in Genesis chapter 6? Did they have some words, though? Would they have had the word of God at this particular time? What were they doing in Genesis chapter 6? Corrupting God's word. So you take that Psalm 119. It started off in Genesis 3 with a corruption. What happens is you get over here to Genesis chapter 6 and what do you have? They have corrupted his way. All flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Well, according to Psalm one nineteen, what do we know about the way the the way of thy statutes? What is he dealing with there is his word. Now, me personally, that's what I see is going on in verse twelve there. Um, his way, God has a way. God has a thing that He is doing, and what is what is the flesh done at that particular time? Is they all corrupted it. They've corrupted God's Word there. I mean, it's continuing on, and it's still here today. And so should we be shocked when, uh, I think it was William Barron's this past week posted the, ver- or the, the translation of the week, basically. What's the newest translation? What's the newest translation? I want the newest one. I want the newest one. You know what's going to happen with that? They're never going to be satisfied. And they're never going to be stable. But that's one of those things. When you look at the way... The living word is the way. The written word is the way. And what did man do back here with God's way is corrupted it. Um, Everybody should know John 17, 17, right? Sanctify them through thy truth. truth. Thy Word. word is truth. Jesus Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the written word is the truth. And what does that truth do? It can sanctify. Jesus Christ said, He is what? The way, the truth, and the life. Get um, Philippians chapter 2. We're right here. Philippians chapter 2, or at least I was. Philippians chapter 2. <clears throat> and I notice that this clock is going by very quickly, but Philippians chapter. Two. You know, the one thing I would say is if somebody, if somebody truly and honestly believes that their version that they have is God's Word and that's all they stick with, and that's all they preach from, and that's all they teach from. At least they have convictions. I'm okay with that. But if you're going to flip and flop on every new version, depending on what it's going to be, you have no convictions and you have no, no, no reason to stand in front of a group of people and teach them. I'd, I'd be all right if you had a conviction and you stuck by it. Rather than being wishy-washy on stuff and say, "Well, you know, whichever one feels better for you," you don't you don't deserve to be in front of a group of people teaching God's word. Amen. Um, and that's what that's what this is in Philippians chapter two. And I'll just say this by by way of getting it off my chest. So we we'd mentioned before uh, a few weeks ago, actually, it's a month and a half, almost two months ago now. Doesn't seem that long, but. <clears throat> So I'd mentioned before that there was a church that was a block and a half from our house, like we can see the church from our backyard. Small group, they voted on merging with another church. And I knew this was coming because I was watching. I I'm always I'm always watching because I love the fact that where we're here. But there's certain things I wish we could do that we can't do because we're here. <laughs> so I'm always looking, right? And so then I'm watching some of their videos, and this guy's talking about them merging with another church. And I'm like, what if their building's available? So I called up the pastor, and he called me back. And I said, You know, I've been paying attention to you all. Um, Could you tell me a little bit about, you know, what what you're going to do? He's like, Well, I can go ahead and tell you that we've voted on merging with the other church. And I said, Well, so if you're going to leave that church, please let me first know. If you'd like to lease it or sell it. And he's like, all right, we'll do. So I, I called him a week later, voicemail, he never replied. I was like, all right, I don't want to bug him too much. So I waited a couple of weeks, call him again, voicemail, leave a message. This last week, I saw a video of a church in town who's doing a live broadcast feed saying, hey, this is the church that we're trying to buy. Uh, We want to ask you all to give as much as you possibly can so we can raise $300,000 to buy the church and renovate it. This past week has been really hard to deal with because of that. Now, I get over it and I move on. I love the fact that we have this place, and I've said before, I'm okay with us being here forever. But... There are some things that we can't do because we're here that we could do somewhere else. Now, that being said, I reached out to the guy again, voicemail, left a voicemail, and he still hasn't gotten back to me. And it's, it's sickening because the group, because I've watched their videos, the group that's looking at buying that church, by the way, that church building doesn't cost $300,000. But I want you to notice this. Philippians 2, four fourteen. Do all things without murmurings, which is inside stuff, and disputings, which is outer, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Notice, holding forth the word of, of what? Life. Life. Now, Christ said He is the way, the truth, and the life. The written word is God's way, the truth, and the life, right? Now, I bring that little story up to say this. What they're doing isn't doing, verse 16, holding forth the word of light. They're not holding forth the word of light that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither neither labor in vain. And again, like I said, I bring that up because that's not what they're doing. And again, it's one of those, if you don't have a book in front of you that you trust, you don't need to be preaching about it. And it's, it's kind of sickening when that, that takes place. But here we have the word is, is referred to as what? The word of life so living word way truth life written word the way the truth the life um, they're both called bread and I'll just read the rest of this you all can go and look at these yourself um, they're both called light neither one of them can be broken we're begotten by both of them it's an interesting one We're born of both of them. Sanctified by both of them. We looked at that one. And they both liberate you. They both make you free. Now, as I said before, you go through that list. Um, That's yours to keep. Go through and study those things out. And um, it's an interesting thing when you take a look at the connection between those two all right all right Um, so I guess since the youngsters are back I guess that's time for me to stop talking so (laughs) what oh man I shouldn't have gotten a a yep on that one all right Um, all right so we're going to stop there